Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. If you are travelling by plane at Easter, you will be aware that Commonwealth public servants are going on strike on Thursday the 24th at international terminals. In fact, members of the Community Public Sector Union, the CPSU, went out across Australia on Monday the 21st of March. Services are being disrupted throughout March and April in various public service areas over what is, in fact, a protracted dispute with the Commonwealth Government over a new EBA for the Commonwealth Public Service. Despite the disruption at Centrelink, the Agricultural Department, the ABS and the Bureau of Meteorology, just to name a few, for the public service to be so angry is unprecedented in Australia. I asked Rupert Evans... Deputy National President of the Community Public Sector Union about the Thursday, March 24th walk-off by Border Protection and Agricultural Department workers and about the broader issues that are plaguing the negotiations with the Liberal National Government in Canberra in this election year. Now these uh, series of strikes that are beginning this week uh, are a long time in coming, aren't they? Uh, it's, uh, it's been characterised uh, as uh, about flexibility in work and family balance and uh, and some wages issues, but it's actually more than that, isn't it? It's been going on for two years. Yeah, that's right, Annie. This uh, current industrial dispute, which is seeing um, immigration and border force union members uh, and agriculture members walk off the job on Easter, the Thursday before Easter, this Thursday... Uh, and commencing rolling stoppages at airports uh, as of today um, is actually nearly three years in the making. CPSU members um, served their logs of claims on the government, uh, the federal government, in December 2013. Um, Our members' pay has been effectively frozen by the operation of the government's bargaining policy uh, since July 2013, um, so that's an effective pay freeze for almost three years. Uh, we've been involved in uh, at least you know, 18 months, nearly two years worth of fairly fruitless negotiations with the federal government representative um, and have taken now 10 months worth and longer uh, industrial action in the federal public service. So this is a, a serious and significant industrial dispute. Uh, it is about the federal government's ideological insistence on removing um, rights and conditions from public servants' enterprise agreements uh, that those uh, same public servants are rejecting. So let's have a look at some of those things. So they're moving some of those conditions into unenforceable sections of the uh, agreements, so they're not actually agreements at all, are they? No, a large part of uh, the government's approach that's been causing significant concern for CPSU members is the issue of uh, what the government calls streamlining and we call stripping um, conditions, enforceable conditions from 
and rights from enterprise agreements and putting them into effectively company policy where the Australian Public Service Commissioner, John Lloyd, has already acknowledged uh, that anything in policy is not strictly enforceable. Uh, and some of these examples of uh, putting these uh, uh, conditions and rights into unenforceable policy are things like the right to be consulted and have input into um, changes to your working patterns. Now, if you're a, you know, a working mum or dad in Centrelink or Medicare or a shift worker who works 24-7 at the airport uh, in agriculture or immigration and border protection, um, having input into uh, and your uh, non-work needs taken into account when uh, the employer is working out where you work and when you work um, is a critical part of being able to actually have a job and meet your responsibilities as a working parent. Um, so it's these are significant conditions and rights, workplace rights, that the federal government is seeking to remove from enterprise agreements. So let's get down to that. What they're saying is that a person that works in, uh, say, a reception area in, uh, say, uh, in one part of a department could be told that oh, they're essential to be in another area, in another place, and they could be working in different places during one week. Is that correct? Am I imagining that? No, this is the exact scenario that we're looking at in uh, the Department of Human Services, for example, which takes in uh, places like uh, Centrelink and Medicare, is that if management decide you're needed on the other side of any major city, um, the next day they would direct you to work there and it, you have no control as a worker or no say um, and no right to have a say about the fact that that might mean then that you can't um, drop your kids off at childcare or pick them up. Uh, and the government and the employer's approach to this is tough luck. And our members are fighting back against this. Uh, there, there have been significant rejections of these proposals across the public service. Something like 83 or just over 8 out of 10 public servants um, no longer has a uh, a new enterprise agreement um, because they're rejecting very meagre pay rises in order to hold on to these current conditions of work that they value so much. Now, originally, this is actually an ideological push because uh, uh, Erica Betts, who used to be in uh, the negotiating minister, has now been replaced by Michaela Cash. But there's been no joy, has there? Look, the industrial action taken by CPSU members uh, over the past two years has brought some moves um, uh, very grudgingly from the government um, in terms of uh, being able to negotiate slight improvements in their position, but it's nowhere near enough. And you correctly identify that uh, whilst the minister, the federal minister responsible might have changed, they're from the same stock. Uh, this is the hard right, uh, conservative HR Nichols type attack on workplace rights for working people. And let's bear in mind that sometimes people have a, a slightly, uh, I suppose, incorrect view about uh, public service. The vast majority of our members who weren't on a 24-hour strike uh, on Monday 
and those that are going on strike again on the 24th and onwards, their base wage is below average weekly earnings. These are not well-paid um, senior public servants like the media normally likes to portray. These are people who are single parents, um, they're working maybe part-time, it might be the only job in their family, uh, and they're not on, you know, fantastic uh, pay and conditions, but they're absolutely committed to their jobs and they're horrified at this government's ideologically based attack on their workplace rights and conditions and they're rejecting it and they're standing together and taking action to change that picture. I found it pretty extraordinary that the, uh, oh, well, I suppose it's not that extraordinary, but it was reported in The Australian that uh, uh, that bastion of free press, that uh, John Lloyd, the uh, commissioner, was uh, calling the action at the airports a cynical move. Why is it important that you actually make waves about these issues? Yeah, look, that's a, that's a really good question. The This is... The, uh, where we're at now is the result of a, you know, a two-year struggle to try and just negotiate something fair and reasonable. In large part, um, our members simply want to keep what they currently have, and they're you know, resisting the government's attacks on their workplace rights and conditions. Pay is always important, uh, and the pay rises that are on offer um, are, you know, as I said, very meagre, very paltry. They're, less, uh, they're less than... you know. Uh, previous, current and, and forecast cost of living increases. Um, so, you know, there is a real struggle here for people who had their wages frozen by this federal government um, to make ends meet right now. But this is two years into a significant and major industrial dispute, a fight that the government picked, that they'd simply refuse to sit down and negotiate something fair and reasonable, which is all our members are seeking. So... Um, you know, like I'm not going to engage in a, a tit-for-tat uh, with the Australian Public Service Commissioner on his views on industrial action. Um, this is lawful action that is being taken by members uh, in pursuit of something that is simply fair and reasonable, and it's the federal government that refuses to negotiate. And if anybody is uh, uh, deserves the term cynical or hypocritical, it is the federal government. Now, there's wide-ranging strikes, aren't there? There's, of course, the uh, airports are going to have a significant effect, uh, but we're, you're expecting there to be rolling strikes right across the public service, aren't you, over the month, month of April? Uh, those rolling strikes, Annie, if I could just uh, correct you, are focused on um, Australian Border Force and Department of Immigration and Border Protection members at international airports um, over... Uh, from now, um, and uh, we're not putting an end date on them at this point in time. Um, uh, the whole of the Federal Public Service went on strike uh, on Monday, and 8,000 members in the Department of Agriculture and Water Resources, which includes uh, quarantine and biosecurity functions at airports and elsewhere, and the Department of Immigration and Border Protection, which includes uh, visa processing, and uh, Australian Border Force functions across the country. Uh, so those 8,000 CPSU members will be walking off the job um, uh, for 24 hours and uh, rolling airport stoppages and strikes have already commenced this morning. 
Now, I don't know if you want to make any comment on this, but this is a, obviously a very serious uh, issues that are going on at the moment. There's been a lot of uh, job uh, cuts in the public service, and there was also an announcement by the government where they were getting um, members from corporate sector to do an evaluation of the effectiveness of the systems within the public service. Are they ringing any bells for you? Look, this this government, uh, the Liberal National uh, Federal Government, has uh, made no bones about, since they were elected and prior to that, um, that uh, they intend to wage uh, an all-out assault on the public services that uh, everyday Australians rely on. Um, they're looking seriously at uh, privatising and outsourcing uh, the Medicare and human centrelink payment functions, for example, which would uh, see the financial and private and confidential medical details of uh, all Australians uh, make their way into the hands of a private company offer, operating for profit with no guarantees that that work wouldn't find its way offshore. Um, I've said from time to time, this government, uh, this federal government, never saw a public service job that it didn't want to chop or privatise or outsource. Uh, this, uh, unfortunately, their behaviour in regard to the wages and conditions uh, and jobs of public service is entirely consistent with, uh, with that uh, ideology. Yeah, it's a serious issue leading into the next election, correct? Oh, it is. And, and look, the when you look at uh, things like um, you know, privatising Medicare uh, and uh, year after year, um, when asked, the Australian public, um, the citizens of this country, repeatedly say that they value the public services and the public servants that uh, provide those uh, public services services to all Australians. Um, and yet it's a message that uh, the Conservative governments, both state, territory and federal level, uh, refuse to hear. Um, we think there is enormous support for the services that our members provide across uh, the public uh, spectrum. Um, and, uh, you know, we're fully engaged with uh, the communities. Um, around Australia that value those services uh, and talking about the importance of maintaining them and the jobs that come with them. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. You're listening to the Stick Together show focusing on union news and social justice issues. My name's Annie McLaughlin and uh, we've just been listening to Rupert Evans from the CPSU. They're in the midst of a major altercation with the uh, federal government over wages and conditions, which has been going on for three years. We're now going to move to the Trans-Pacific Partnership. You might have heard it called the TPP and not really understood why some people are protesting in the streets. After you hear this report, maybe you might want to join them. The TPP is a free trade deal, which will be put before Australian Parliament later this year. I spoke to Dr Pat Rannell from the Afternet, 
organisation, Australian Fair Trade and Investment Network. They're calling for fair trade, not free trade. At Stick Together, we were particularly interested in any effects for Australian workers in the TPP. Pat Reynolds. Well, there's two major issues for workers in the TPP, which of course is a trade agreement between Australia, the US and 12 other Pacific Rim countries. Now, um, the first one is that the TPP, like a number of other recent trade agreements, treats workers a bit like commodities. So it includes provisions for temporary workers to come into Australia and into other countries but it doesn't have any real protection for their rights. In the case of Australia, our government is very keen on having additional temporary workers um, from... There's arrangements for six... uh, with six TPP countries for additional temporary workers. Now, the problem with being a temporary worker in Australia is that your job depends on um, your employer totally and uh, if you lose your job you can get deported so you're in a much more vulnerable position than other workers in Australia or even permanent migrants coming to Australia who can't be deported if they lose their job and we know from recent studies by um, 7.30 report, Four Corners, the Sydney Morning Herald have all publicised cases and there have been studies by universities as well which show that these temporary workers are being super exploited in all sorts of industries. Um, we've had the case of student people on student visas in the 7-Eleven stores, but people on 457 visas in other industries like the meat industry, um, food industries, restaurants and so on. So we've had lots of cases of people working very long hours, not being paid even the minimum wage and um, exposed to danger and in some cases workers have even died. So um, what we say about that is that we shouldn't be using trade agreements to treat workers as commodities and that workers who come to Australia should have full rights and the same rights as other workers. They Um, they actually, the argument is that uh, you're going to create a level playing field and uh, some of those countries that have signed on the dotted line for the TPP have much lower uh, standards, employment standards, than they do here, and that, in fact, we'll be pulling them up to our level. Is there any evidence of this? Well, that's the second part of the agreement, which is a chapter which is meant to protect um, labour rights. There is a chapter on labour rights, which is good, rather than having no chapter at all, but the problem with that chapter is that the, the rights that are enumerated in it are quite weak and they're not enforceable in the same ways as the other parts of the agreement. So um, although the chapter does mention basic rights like um, freedom of association, right to collective bargaining, no forced labour, no child labour, etc., not all of these are enforceable. Um, and there's also a number of hurdles that have to be jumped before you can actually make a complaint about those rights being violated. For example, the rights only apply to people working in trade-related industries, which are um, essentially export industries, so it doesn't apply to 
people working in the public sector or in other domestic type industries like say the building industry or um, you know any kind of domestic service industry that's not involved in exports. Um, secondly, you have to prove a persistent and serious violation of labour rights um, across more than one case. So whereas in other parts of the agreement, if you want to allege the agreement's being violated, you don't have to prove a persistent and numerous violations. And um, thirdly, a number of the rights are not actually enforceable at all. For example, the most serious violation of rights, which is forced labour and child labour, um, is not enforceable at all. There's just a general statement saying that governments should endeavour um, to put an end to forced labour and child labour. Now, you would think that <laughs> what we're talking about here is essentially slavery. You would think that at least in a, in a trade agreement that purported to, to protect people's rights, that, there would, that slavery would be an immediate violation of the agreement, but it's not enforceable. Um, I mean, it's quite interesting to think that you would... Oh, just to jump in there, it seems interesting that you would use a trade agreement to deal with human rights when in actual fact the focus of a trade agreement is generally trade, making money. Yes, well, in fact, we have argued that there should be chapters dealing with labour rights and environmental protections in trade agreements, but that they should be proper... Um, they should have links to real international standards, which means the ILO conventions, and they should be enforceable in the same way as other parts of the agreement are legally enforceable. Now, that's not the case with this Labor chapter, so that's why we're saying it's rather it's it has weak standards and they're not enforceable, so it doesn't really protect workers' rights. So the other thing is that if you were to have an issue and it did fall within the purview of the TPP, who would actually enforce it? Who would you go to to, as a worker to have it uh, looked well, at? You have to get your government to make a complaint. This is another hurdle that has to be... Um, if there's a violation of any part of the agreement, there are actually... The main way that it's enforced is through what's called a government-to-government dispute. That is, as, as a worker, you would have to, first of all, prove not just that your rights were being violated, but that there was a serious and persistent <laughs> widespread violation of rights. And then you would have to get your government to lodge a complaint with the other government concerned. So it, the actual process itself is quite long and convoluted. And in the Labor chapter, it's actually more longer and more convoluted than the enforcement processes in other chapters because there's a long period of consultations that has to take place. It then goes to a tribunal, which is made up of uh, trade law experts, and if they find that there's been a violation, theoretically your government can then ban or tax the products of the other government. But because the process, because it's difficult there's a lot of hurdles to jump before you can actually establish a violation and the process is very long and convoluted. In other trade agreements, like the Central American Free Trade Agreement, where they've had a similar process, there's never actually been a violation which has gone through to um, the disputes panel. Well, that's hardly so, surprising, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> 
That's pretty remarkable. And I suppose that leads into the whole other areas of the TPP or the actual essential nature of the TPP, which is that governments are disassociating themselves or giving up their governmental responsibilities to a TPP. Well, this is it, that the TPP does place limits on what future governments can do in terms of regulation in areas like medicines, in areas like the environment, even in areas like food regulation or um, those sorts of, you know, all kinds of different regulation. Um, And the TPP also has an extra um, set of rights which it gives to corporations, foreign investors, foreign corporations, who invest in other countries, they have special additional rights to sue governments for damages if there's a future change in law or policy. Well, we've been campaigning for the last six years during the negotiations, but now it is crunch time in Parliament um, because what is happening now is that the text of the TPP was tabled in Parliament and it's being reviewed by a parliamentary committee. Now, it's a very limited process And Parliament doesn't get to vote on the whole agreement, only the implementing legislation. But we are trying to get enough pressure for the Senate to block the implementing legislation. And if that happens, Australia won't actually um, be part of the TPP. Um, Now, this process is also going on in the US, where, where it's unlikely that the US Congress at the moment will actually pass their implementing legislation. But to come back to Australia... um, so if you go to our website, which is aftinet.org.au, you can send a message to your local MP and the same message you go to your state senators saying um, that, uh, urging them to vote against the TPP implementing legislation when it comes up in Parliament. We're also campaigning around the process of the parliamentary hearings, so we expect that there will be public hearings around the end of April, beginning of May, and we will be organising events that people can attend um, and um, we'll also be, for instance, at May Day, we're uh, trying to get um, the TPP to be a theme at May Day so that um, the whole issue can be raised there and brought in, uh, you know, again into the public arena. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. You're on Stick Together with Annie McLaughlin. We've just been listening to Dr Pat Ranald about the TPP. If you're in Melbourne on April the 21st, there will be a TPP public forum at the Melbourne Town Hall. Jed Carney, President of the ACTU, and uh, Kelvin Thompson, who is the retiring ALP member for Wills, will be speaking, amongst others. If you want to get more information about uh, this, about the TPP and other Australian-wide events, go to afternet.org.au. That's A-F-T-I-N-E-T dot org dot A-U, aftinet.org.au. That's it for Stick Together. Thanks for you for listening. 
thanks to Rupert Evans from the CPSU and Dr Pat Reynolds for talking to us today. Stick Together is produced at the 3CR studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show by calling 03 9419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.